0: Today we're going to be opening up and starting at Exodus 17. Exodus 17. We've been on this series for a couple of weeks, and we're on it again for at least this week and next week. Uh, I know you're disappointed, but we're going to finish out next week strong. And I've been really excited about the study. We've been talking about who is God, and we've been talking about how to know the character of God by the names that God has called Himself all the way through the New and the Old Testament. Uh, today's message is entitled "A Few More." We're going to give you a few more names. That's okay. I was looking for permission. You know, if you were going to say no, I was just going to walk off the stage. No, I'm not going to do that today. A few more, uh, just to review, um, as you're trying to find Exodus 17, and that's in the Old Testament. Uh, In part one, we learned about Elohim. You can always go look at these at the podcasts. Uh, In part two, we learned about the name Jehovah or Yahweh and the difference between those. We looked in part three about Jehovah Jireh, my provider, my God will provide. And last week, we looked at Jehovah Shalom, the Lord my God is peace. Now, I do have to apologize because last week's podcast, we had some technical difficulties and it will not be on the podcast. Our recorder uh, did not capture uh, last week's message, but we're going to make sure we're capturing today's message so you can go back and check this podcast. They don't even tell me in the back. It's good to go. We're ready and steady. Ready, Freddie? All right. Don't say that. That's just weird. All right. Uh, I'm excited about today's message. We're going to go over a couple new names here today. You guys with me so far? Amen. Have you found Exodus 17 yet? Well, let me give you some background on Exodus 17. Actually, a Pastor Gray, when he, he taught a couple of weeks ago, he actually shared this message. There was a battle where they're going out, where uh, they're going to battle the, the Amalekites. And uh, it says Moses, he tells Joshua, go pick some men and go out and battle. And he goes up on this mountain and he takes the staff of God. And whenever his hands were extended, the people of God would be winning. But when his hands would drop down and get tired, I mean, how many of you know? He's like, this isn't hard. But you do this 10 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes. How I many you know that gets tired? Like, I, I'm already tired of holding my hands up right now. Like, you know, that, that's hard. You know, even the buffest guy, you know how, how buff he is. You, you, you hold your hands up like this, you're eventually going to get tired. And so Moses would drop his hands like, oh, and people start losing. And so he had two of his associates. Two, two people came up. They gave him a stone to sit on. They came up next, next to him, and they held his hands up. And while his hands were up, the people of God prevailed. And so that's where we're seeing this here in Exodus 17. And it's actually where we're going to find uh, the first name we're going to go over today. We're going to jump right into the names today. Uh, but the people... Of God defeated the Amalekites. And Exodus 17, verse 15 is this is the only time it's recorded, this name in the Bible, but it's a very powerful one. It says, And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. The Lord is my banner. And that that translation, The Lord is my banner, is this name, Jehovah Nisi. And you may have heard these names before, Jehovah Nisi. Again, I always reference that one. There's that one worship song. We we don't do it as much anymore. I don't think, not as popular, but, you know, uh, because of who you are, I give you glory. And it says, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, Jehovah Nisi, Lord, you reign in victory, Jehovah. So we... Come on, on! You can sing it too. It's okay. See, but that Jehovah Nisi, who says Lord, Lord, you reign in victory, it's not really a good translation in the song. It sounds beautiful melodically, but you know, you can't say Jehovah Nisi. Lord, you're my banner. Just doesn't fit in the song. You know, just like it just doesn't flow. You gotta, you gotta get something melodic. You know, we sh- we should just do songs that just you know are just terrible like that. You know, Lord, you're my banner. So, John, get, get to work on it. Yeah, we'll Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And, and Moses declares this here uh, only used once, but it, it's really powerful when you understand what this is because this would actually be something in, in the Old Testament that you would understand when it comes to banner. Like, the Lord is my banner. Because this is not something we do. We don't go out, you know, even today, like our, our military, when we go out into battle, we don't carry Banners. The military didn't show up and doesn't have this banner. You know, it's just something we don't do. So let me, let me give you some context of what this is. Is, is Mo- Moses, really, he recognized that the Lord was Israel's banner. He, it was by God and God alone that he was able to, vi- to defeat the Amalekites. And when he builds an altar there and he calls it Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. The, uh, one of the words in there, N-E-S, which is in that original uh, uh, translation can be translated as a pole. And so when he's saying the Lord is my banner, what they would do is anytime an army would go out, and you see this like with medieval times, you see, you kind of, if you get the picture, they'd have one guy with a banner, a pole. And on the banner, if you guys can turn me down a little bit on my mic, I'm, I'm starting to ring back just a little bit. They'd have this pole and they would have their flag, their insignia, their, their symbol of what would lead them into battle. And here, Moses is declaring our banner. What leads us into victory, what leads us into the battle, is God. God alone is what leads us into battle. So this would be the front lines that that flag would be what the would be the focal point for all of the armies to look at and go that's what's leading us. In fact, that 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 pole would be the first thing to go out when they would start marching and heading into victory. That pole would be the center point. It'd be the focal point of where we're going to fight. See, and this is what God is to us. He is our banner. In other words, He is the focal point. He is what we look at. He is what we focus on and gives us encouragement and hope to know that God is the one who is leading us. He's the one who's taking the charge. And He is the one who is leading us into victory. So Jehovah Nisi, He is my banner. So when we come up against fights, how I many you know there's fights in this world. Paul said it this way. He said, fight the good fight of faith. faith the faith fights easy. We just believe God. We believe God in what he said and what he do and we follow that. But how many you know the faith fight, there's different there's different kinds of fights. Growing up, my my favorite fights to watch were the Tyson fights. Mike Tyson? You know, before you start biting ears and you know getting face tattoos and you know going a little off the deep end, man, Mike, Mike was a beast. You, you, you'd see the fight, you'd get up, Mike, Mike would be in the corner, he'd never sit down, he'd be over there, and there'd be a guy on the other side, oh, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, he never had a chance, and if you blinked, you missed a Tyson fight, for, for some of you young guys that never saw a Tyson fight, Tyson would come out, he'd do one, two, three, boom, he dead, all right, moving on, just, I mean, just, and the fight was over, it's like, oh, I blinked, I missed it, and then you'd have other fights. Like, I remember watching a, uh, the Foreman fight when uh, George Foreman, I'm showing my age a little bit, When George Foreman made his big comeback. He was in his 50s, and it was like, it was like a 16-round, 18-round fight, and it went all the way to the very end, had a decision. Foreman won, you know, for us older people. Like, yeah, a 50-year-old, he can win the heavyweight. T- I could do it, too. I could do it, too. See, sometimes the fight of faith is over just like that sometimes the fight of faith is we're going to we're going to see this all the way to decision but we know who is leading us into that battle. We know who is the one who is giving us the encouragement to get through that battle. We know who our focal point is and that's Jehovah Nissi. It's the Lord God. He is my banner. He is my hope and He is my focal point on what I'm going to focus on. Remember what uh, the, the author of Hebrews said in Hebrews 12 verses 1 to 2. He said, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so, so a great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily us." and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And what does he say to do? How do you run that race? You looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Do you know how you run the faith fight? Is when you keep your eyes on the Lord. That's why this name is so powerful. It's only one time in the New Testament, and yet it gives us a reminder to keep our eyes on Him. Remember what happened with uh, Peter? Peter and the disciples, they were rowing the boat. They were doing row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Except they were stuck in the middle, big old storm. Jesus wasn't with him; He was out praying. And all of a sudden, they see Casper walking on the, on, on the, shore, on the water. They're like, oh, there's a ghost. And one of them goes, no, 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 that, that's the Lord. And here Jesus is walking on the water. Just boom. And you know what? The funny thing is is, it doesn't even say that Jesus was walking... To the boat. He was just, I, I believe Jesus was just walking to the other side. Jesus, was like, okay, peace out, guys, I'm good. And one of them cries out, Jesus is that's you. Peter yells out. If that's you. Tell me to come, and I will walk on the water to you. And a lot of people think that God's instructions are gonna be these long, you know, you're gonna get these long diatribes. here step, 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 step to your miracle. You know what Jesus says? Come. come that's it that one word empowers Peter to put his feet over the side of the boat jump down and Peter begins to walk on the water but what happens when he walks on the water it says that as he walked to Jesus he began to notice he began to look at the winds and the waves and what happened he began to sink now I just want to point one thing out this is a freebie for you you ever seen one someone begin to sink into water now, I'm not talking about a boat. I'm talking about you ever see someone do a cannonball off the, 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 uh, the high dive, off the jumping board, and they get in, and they hit the water, and they just slowly... It begins to sink. It, even, even as he gets his eyes off Jesus, he doesn't just fall straight down. For you, just, just, just an encouragement to you, when we get our eyes off of Jesus, he doesn't just drop us. Even when we're, 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 we're moving off, he's still with us. Because Peter, Peter began to sink. He didn't just drop. Some of us think when God, God's fo- we're not focused on God or we get our eyes off that, God's just going to drop us like a hot tamale. Boom. No. Peter began to sink. And what happens? What does he do? He cries out to Jesus. Becomes the focal point again. And Jesus grabs a hold of him, brings him up to the floor, and says, what? Why did you, why'd you doubt? See, it's when we keep our thighs, our eyes and our focus. On Jesus, when he, he, he becomes our banner, that we see things start to happen. So even though it's in the Bible one time, how many think that's a good name? Jehovah Nisi. I like that one. I like that one. You ready for another one? Amen. That wasn't enough. I got another one for you. I feel like, I feel like DJ Khaled. Another one. Some of you feel like, who? All right. Point number two. New name that we're going to talk about is Jehovah Raah, Raah, or Ra. Depends. how like, You know it. You, you in the Hebrew, you got like of like every time you get to that H, you know, it gives it gives you impunity to spit on someone that you don't like around you. So if that person you don't like in front of you, just make sure you pronounce that Raah. You know, just you get a little loogie in there. Pastor Tom, uh, Thomas was uh, talking to me we were in the foyer and he was like, you ready to spit? You ready, you ready to get it on? And I, I remember this one story that I, I, I told him as uh, I was probably like five or six. I was kindergarten age and I, I used to stutter a lot. I get so excited. that You ever talk to a little kid who's so excited they can't get like the words out of their mouths. They're like, <laughs> my, my kids are like this now. They're like, what? <sighs> Just, and so my mom goes, spit it out. I was a very literal child. So if you told me to do something, I took you literally. So my mom told me to spit it out. So what did I do? I was a boy, I leaned back, I pulled up the loogie and I spit right there in the kitchen floor. And she yelled at me, she had the nerve to get mad at me. You, you told me to spit it out, I spit. So if you want, you want to spit, just pronounce that H. But Jehovah Rai, it means the Lord is my shepherd. Now I know where your mind's going, you you already know what psalm are we turning to? Come on. What psalm are we turning to? You know it already. Come on, you Christianese people, come on, let, let's all say it at the count of three. One, two, three. Psalm one two, three. Oh, see, some of y'all are holy. Some of you are like, I don't want to get it wrong. What what if it's not? No, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, the Psalm of David. He says in Psalm 23, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So when it says that the Lord is my shepherd, it's jehovah Ra. -ra. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, that that second line where it says, I shall not want, is kind of a really bad translation. Because really what it really means is, I I don't have any needs. Because he covers all my needs. I like how the New Living Testament says it. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Mm. It's a powerful name. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. I, I, can we just read Psalm 23? I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. Because some of us, if someone wants to you know, repeat it from the, the King James Version, more power to you. I don't know it. Verse 2, it says, uh, verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me besides peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, brings honor to His name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. God is our shepherd. I wish, you know, maybe one of these days we'll break down this, because Psalm 23 is one of the most powerful psalms. It's one, there's a reason it's one of the most popular. It's on all the Christian pillows, you know, it's out there. Everyone, everyone knows it. You, find, you, just, you go and find a pillow. There's Psalm 23 on it, you know. I, before I even became a Christian, I knew Psalm 23. Like, oh, yeah, Lord's our shepherd. I don't know what that means, but he's my shepherd. God's our shepherd. He's our leader. He's the one that when we go off astray, like Jesus said, when, when there's 99 sheep but one go astray, he goes out looking for it, brings it back into the fold. God is gently keeping us Together, He's the one leading us that when we go off track, he brings us back in. He renews our strength. He leads us to where we need to be fed. He leads us to the pastures. That's what it means. He goes, when you need sustenance, God is there to lead you to where you need to eat. i talking about financially, talking about physically, talking about emotionally. When you have needs, God is your shepherd to lead you into that. He gives you rest. And then when you're going through the darkest valleys, you don't have to fear because God is the one leading you. says, your rod and your staff, they comfort you. In other words, these rods and these staff, the rod was actually to defend off against um, attackers. That when when, um, sheep would be walking through and a bear would come, a wolf would come, an attacker would come, this rod... They would actually use to throw and beat these other animals. They would defend their sheep. God defends you. Some of you need to hear this today because you think God's not for you. No, no, no. God's for you. He defends you. You know, there's going to be one day when we get to heaven and we look back. and I don't know how it's going to work. Maybe there'll be like a magic ball, a crystal ball. And we like, go look back at it. And we'll see how many times... God spared us from something that could have happened. And it was God giving us grace, giving us mercy. He protects us. He comforts us. Notice, He prepares a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. Even when there's attacks coming away, God's like, I'm going to prepare a feast for you. God's for you. I love this one. This is is one that we, we don't talk about. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. Just freebie, I wasn't even going to talk about this, but I feel led about this, is that um, sheep, forgive me, because the Bible calls us sheep. Sheep are actually really dumb animals. <laughs> I don't know if the Lord was insulting us when he called us his sheep. Um, but sheep are, are, are not that smart. And when it says that he anoints our head with oil, and that is a picture of the Holy Spirit. God anoints us. But it was actually a, a, a comforting sense because there'd be these flies, that would come into the sheep. And what they would do is they would lay eggs in the ears of the sheep. And these eggs, when they would they would hatch, you'd get those larvae. Forgive me for being graphic today, but you get these larvae, and they would actually start to eat the insides of the sheep's ears, going into the brain. It's just nasty. And so what these sheep would do, they wouldn't know how to deal with that. They, you know, obviously didn't have hands, couldn't get a Q-tip, you know. Swirl it all in there. They would actually begin to beat their heads on the rocks, trying to get these these flies out there. They would beat themselves till they would pass, until they pass out and die. Now apply that to us. God anoints your head with oil to even protect you from yourself sometimes. You've been given the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you, to anoint you. So that when the enemy tries to, to, to plant these thoughts and things in your head, that it doesn't take you out to where the point where you hear people depression and wanting to take themselves out. God's anointing. There's always a better way. That's the anointing that God placed on That's the good shepherd that we have. That he even wants to protect us from ourselves. He's my shepherd. Surely your goodness and a failing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Jesus said it this way. He said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus gave his life for me and you so that we could be counted upon him. I like this, this one, this especially with it when it comes to um, the Lord is my shepherd. Because if we actually uh, go into an extended translation, and we get really like, you know, Pastor Greg, doctoral biblical science, you know. We really get into the nitty-gritty, you know, all the, all the, the stuff that Pastor Greg knows. You know, all, the, all those, those nuggets of things that he knows. I, I say this again, and I will always say this. If you ever have a biblical question about theology, use this, man. We've been blessed with an incredible resource um, and I'm, I'm embarrassing him. I know he, he's like, don't say that all this time. Leave me alone. But you know what? I'm going to give honor where honor is due. And we have an incredible resource to us at a church. If, if you have a theological question, yeah, you can come to me. But you know you know, you really go to? Go to this man. Amen. Dr. Yeah. Pastor Greg. Yeah. But if we break down the actual translation of the word, there's there's a part of that word, R-E-A, in the original Greek language, that actually could be translated friend or companion. So not only is it the Lord is my shepherd, but actually the, the word the Lord is my shepherd indicates the intimacy of God that he desires between himself and his people. God desires that intimacy. So when those two words are combined, Jehovah, Raha, it not only can be translated the Lord is my shepherd, but it could be translated the Lord is my friend. It's my friend. I read in, in our, our reading here recently in Ezekiel, um, how God says that even when you're going through issues, when you're going through the valleys, He said, I brought you to this place so that I could talk to you face face to face. Remember, Moses talked to God face to face as a friend talks to a friend. The intimacy that God wants with me and you. That word intimacy, we can kind of have like some negative connotations. The world has hijacked it and made it into a dirty thing. But intimacy just means that, that, that one-on-one time that God wants with me and you don't think only God as, as your shepherd. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm one of the 99, and you know, you just you only give me enough time. No, no, no. God wants the intimacy, that one-on-one time. He is your friend. He called Abraham friend. He called Moses his friend. He calls us friend. Jesus said it too. He said it this way in John fifteen fifteen. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all the things that I heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Jesus calls us His friend. We're His friend. We're not just His servant. We're so much more. We're friends. We're sons. We're daughters of the Most High God. He is my shepherd. He is my friend. He is my leader and my focal point. Anyone else here in God speak to them today? You got, you, you got enough room for one more? Yes. You getting full? Yes. It's like you, when you go to like an Italian restaurant. If you ever go to a real Italian restaurant. I'm not talking about Olive Garden. I love Olive Garden. But you go to a real Italian restaurant. Or you go sit down and have, have an Italian meal with like an Italian grandma. You know, first they bring out the salad. Then they bring out the soup. Then they bring out the pre-entree. Then they bring out the entree. Then they bring out the second entree. Then they bring out the third entree. And then when you're so full, your stove so stuffed, they bring out the cannolis. Oh. Mm. You got room for cannoli, right? And they put like three or four on your plate. You got, you got room for this, right? And I'm asking you today, you got room for just a little, one more name? You got room for the cannoli? Last name. Jehovah Sebeoth or Sabbath, Jehovah, Sebeoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts. We find that in, uh, this one actually is used over 285 times in the Bible. So the other ones were very minimal. This one's actually used over 285 times. We find it in Psalm 24, verses 8 to 10. It says, who is this king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates, lift up you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? And this is where we get this word. The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Mm. Who's the King of glory? He is the Lord of hosts. It's interesting how it describes it. Um, That word, Sebeoth, it means armies or hosts. So you could even say that this is, that God is the Lord of armies, or the Lord of the hosts of the armies of heaven. This name not only denotes his universal sovereignty over, over every army, But it also talks about his spiritual army. He is the Lord of hosts. He is the king of all of heaven and all of earth. What was the title given to Jesus? He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. This is actually kind of a a direct kind of correlation to that. He is the Lord of hosts. Any army that's on this earth, guess what? He has authority over it. But guess what? Not only that, he has authority all over the hosts of all of heaven. Answer to Him. All of heaven's backing answers to the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's army. And you'd be like, well, what's, what's so powerful about that? Ooh. When you see it, don't miss it. When you see it, don't miss it. I, I, the best place I can take you for this is 2 Kings. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. We're going to be wrapping up here in a second. Second Kings chapter six, in verse fourteen, there was this, this prophet Elisha, not Elijah. He's the one who came before Elisha. You ever wonder, like God, couldn't you like made them like have different names, not, not so close to, close sounding? Like could you, could you have give them just a little bit of a different name, Elisha and Elijah, Elisha? Now there was an army that was against the, the, the kingdom of God, and every time he would give instructions to the army, God would speak to Elisha and he would go and tell the king, say hey they're planning to do this, don't go over there and this king began to get frustrated like every time I give an order they know and he probably thought there was a rat in his, his, who who among you, who's who's, who's ratting me out he's getting ready to kill someone and they go no 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 it's not us not us, they have this prophet Elisha He's the one who keeps speaking while well, you're speaking. And so he goes, well, go get him. And you, you know when a king says, go get him, what that means, right? Yeah, he gone. we will going to go and pat him on the back and say, please don't do that. Here's... He'd be a terrible king. Go get him for me. Bring him before me. Will you please stop? I'm trying to win a battle. You know how kids do? Please. It's not fair. Oh, God's not fair. He's covenant. Oh, I got to say that for someone else. Someone didn't hear that. God's not fair. He's a covenant God. So he sends the horses and the chariots and a great army to go get one man. And it says, they came by night and surrounded the city. Verse 15, 2 Kings six fifteen. It says, when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Now, please don't read that. Again, one of my my biggest conjectures is when you read the Bible, please don't read it like you read the phone book. Because you could read that, especially if you're reading the New King James or King James. Alas, my master, what shall we do? You know, it's like a terrible, you know, elementary school play. You know, that's not how he talked when he ran to Elisha. He didn't run to Elisha. See, all this army, it's him and the prophet. He didn't run into the room and go, alas, my master, what shall we do? Let, let me give you what it sounded like. Can you mute my mic for just for one second? I mean, me. we're going to die. That's what yeah, I mean. Someone's going to be listening to the podcast, you're listening to it right now. You have no idea what I just screamed. Like, why did he pause it? Screamed out, you're going to die. We're going to die. Now, if you're thinking about it, think about the odds. You're surrounded by trained a trained army. Here you are, you're the assistant to the man of God. You wake up and go, "Oh, we're going to die." I don't I don't know him. I, I I I take him runs to the prophet Elisha. What does he say? Elisha looks at him and goes, Don't fear. Do not fear. For those who are with us are more are more than those who are with them. And I can imagine the prop the, the, the assistant. One. Two. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty. Hey man, you can get your eyes checked. Elisha lost it. No. Elisha prays and says, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. They defeated the armies of God. Why? The the armies that came to attack the, the man of God. Why? Because the Lord of hosts was with Him. When you stand up, when you have things coming against you, you're not going in it alone. You have the Lord of heaven's armies standing before you. You have all the backings of all of heaven's angels standing right there with you. You have the Lord of heaven's armies who is your God. My son, my son did this, and he's, he's getting better now that he's this, but there was this, this time, especially when it was like around five, where he just hated going into the dark. You know, no matter what it was, if it was dark, he didn't want to go into it. But you know what the difference was? It's when Dad was with him. You can ask him to go, hey, go in the kitchen and grab this. I can't go in there, it's dark. Will you come, Dad? So dad gets off the couch. We don't even have to turn on the lights. We just walk, I walk in, I stand in the doorway. And he goes right in grabs what he needs. You want me to turn the light? No, Dad, you're here. See, the same thing with us. When, the, when darkness, when the enemy comes and attacks you, you know who is with you. My daddy can beat up your daddy. I know who's with me. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the great I am. He is the Lord of all of heaven's armies. And guess who's on my side? Him. John, you can come up with this. What does Romans 8, 31 and 33 say? What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, won't He also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen up for His own? No one, for God Himself has given us right standing with Himself. He's the Lord of hosts. When you stand in front of issues, you're not standing alone. You're standing with God and all of heaven's backings. That's who you have on your side. If God is for you who can be against you. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Greater is what God will do for me than what anything else says because I know who is on my side. But I pray our eyes would be open that when we have troubles and issues coming up in our lives, just like Elisha who prayed for his servant, I want to pray for you that our eyes would be open that we know who is behind me, who goes before me, who's my banner. He's not only behind me, he's in front of me and I'm surrounded by all of God's army because because he is for me. Yes. He is for you. He's my banner. He's my shepherd. He's my friend. And he's the host of heaven's army. So guess what? Enemy, you've got to go. Yes. Issues, you got, you've got to go. Why? Because I know who is for me. I pray that your eyes would be open and you would know that God is for you and you don't go into the battle alone. You don't go into your place of work alone. You don't go to where your kids are at alone. Your kids do not go alone. They have the king of kings with them. The Lord of heaven's armies. So Lord, would you open our eyes to... Understand-